It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hadit podcast on this 22nd day of December. Three more days, we'll have Santa Claus uh, looking us up. I hope you all get something nice, and of course I've been told I was going to get a chunk of coal. I don't know. I hope not. But anyway, uh, uh, we're here with a co-host, Jay Basser, and uh, tonight our guest speaker is Dana Morgan, and he's with uh, Point Man, which is a really fine organization. And I wanted y'all to know if you would like to call in with a question or comment, uh, you're sure welcome to do so. Our call-in number is 347-237-4819. That call-in number, once again, is 347 347- Two three seven four eight one nine. So, if you have a question or a comment, feel free to call in. How you doing tonight, Dana? Oh, I'm I'm doing pretty good tonight. There's, like I I said earlier, I just got my batteries and my hearing aids, so we should be up to snuff here. Yeah, it's old age, I guess. I I. <laughs> This this is supposed to be, uh, yeah, what do you call it? Suicide Prevention Month. And, oh yes. And, and this happens to be December twenty second, so that coincides with this twenty two a day number. What I wanted to point out about twenty two a day is back in nineteen ninety nine. There was 20 to 22 a day also. But back then, there was 26 million veterans, and today there's about 20 million. And it's still the same number. So that means the rate has gone up, even though it's the same number. And so what you got going on is whatever we're doing doesn't seem to be working because the number's not going down and there's less veterans. Remember years ago when they said there was 2,000 World War II guys dying off every every day and then went down to yeah. 1,000? Remember that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that, that accounts for a lot of those guys between 99 and now. But you're talking about 18 years and nothing's really changed because remember we didn't have all these young vets uh, from the current wars because they hadn't even started yet. That's so true. unfortunately, we've got all these different programs, and then rehashes of old ones that they tried on Vietnam veterans years ago. Just doesn't seem to be. It, it seems to be just more and more the same thing. And some of the things that they do is you've got different drugs that they give people that have PTSD. There's some are antidepressants and so on. Some of these very drugs that are supposed to help you, uh, the side effects are suicidal thoughts, depression, and and that's from antidepressants. And, And so... What may work for you, Gerald, isn't going to work for me, or what works for me isn't going to work for someone else. And it's that's, that's true. Uh, that's very true. Uh, it, uh, you know, I've never believed the VA's number on that uh, because one reason is. A suicidal veteran 
should a veteran commit suicide in Texas or California, they're not counted. And uh, there may be another state or two that they're well, not they, counted they, as veterans. Now, there, why they don't two, count them? Go ahead. Uh, now, why they don't count them, I don't know. I mean, there's why wouldn't they add them to the numbers? The first big study they did, they only looked at 20 or 21 states because not all the states reported their information. But this last study that was published in January of 2016 supposedly includes all the states. Oh, okay. And what they did in the first one, they just took a guess based on how many there were in the 20 or 21 states that they counted and said, oh, yeah, it's so many per thousand, and there's so many thousands living in those states. So they came up with 22 a day. But this okay. new new number is supposed to be accurate. And and like you said, I, I don't know if it really is or not. There, there's been so many numbers thrown around over the years. Well, and and two, I believe that uh, like an overdose, it could be either intentionally or It could be an an accident, yeah. Absolutely. Now, how they count that uh, deceased veteran as whether it's suicide or an accidental, you know, overdose. And, and of course, I don't know if anyone's dealt with some of these methods uh, you get from the VA. Uh, it'd be real easy to accidentally overdose yourself. It really would. And well, here's, might... here's a problem for a lot of guys now is the VA is cutting back on all opiates and trying to get everyone that's taken an opiate onto some other kind of drug. And some of these some of these folks have been years and years taking a certain medication and when they come off of it, of course they have a withdrawal. But besides that, whatever they put them on doesn't work. And I know plenty of guys that are in plenty of pain, and it was tolerable for them when they were doing their opiates, but now they've got them doing, I don't know, like gabapentin and stuff like that, and it's not working for them. It's either making them sick or dizzy or whatnot, and they can't drive and and, and so on. So it's, it's a big... Big problem. It's and a major it, problem, yes. And, and you got guys that are willing to take their life because they can't deal with the pain because they can't get the proper medication. So taking that away from them is that really helping them? I don't know. I think they need to do a better job of screening them. Uh, if they've been on those uh, opens for my land years. I know some of them say they've been on them for years. And then just up and whack them away, what do they think's going to happen? Uh, there's going to be repercussions there. I almost believe they need to be institutionalized until the withdrawals and and they get them switched off to something else. And if that being the case, or that bad, why? I believe I, they've mis, 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 misprescribed uh, them uh, meds. Maybe they're giving it to people that they shouldn't. Well, I, I think you always got that chance, but there are people that need serious pain medication just to make it through the day. Oh, I and it, it doesn't affect them in like a, like if, if you and I were going to take opiates just to get high or something, it's not the same. They don't get high because of the pain. It just sort of mellows them out so they can exist. 
I, I've got well, friends in, in Ohio that the VA's just sent them a letter that said they're cutting them off cold. Oh, and man. That, that's going to be a problem. That, that's wrong. Because they're, they're coming down to the end of the battle, you know. Yeah, I think that's wrong. They, uh, they know they have to be weaned off, wouldn't you think? You would think so. And 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 other and and it all depends where you are, what kind of treatments you get. We yeah. have a guy in our, a guy in our group from the Syracuse area. He's a VA employee, and what he does is he finds jobs for unemployed veterans, and he goes out in the community and puts in applications with guys and so on, and he does a fine job. Now, he's moved to another state and just started to work a week ago. And they're just shocked at some of the things that they were doing in Syracuse. And they're going to implement some of the things that they're doing. They never heard of this, whatever they were doing. So it's like they don't talk to each other or something. I don't think they do, Dana. Uh one uh, one BA medical facility in one state may do things totally the opposite of what one in another state. I, mm-hmm. I, it should be constant across the board, you would think. But it's do you not. know what? Uh, do you know what hyperbaric oxygen treatment is? Yes. Okay. Well. The VA here has two of those units that do the treatment, but they don't use them at all. And we had a fellow that was in one of, in, in my group, actually, and he's a quadriplegic from terrible accident. He's a rack vet. Well, there was studies done that said, and these are VA studies, that it would help the healing process and maybe not regenerate nerves, but whatever it would do would be an improvement over their condition. And so finally, he got to go out to, I think, Palo Alto in California, and he said he'd volunteer to be uh, like a study and they did, I don't know, 60 treatments or something on them, and there was some improvements. So then they did, I think, 30 more, and he's he's able to not walk around or anything, but he can eat and feed himself and those kind of things that he couldn't do before he went out there. So you would think, since the VA already had studies done, and there was a VA that had these units in place that they would try and do that. But if you don't know about it, you don't know to ask. So I think that's where you guys come come in really well with, with the, the HADIT website with all kinds of information that people can can look at and say, gee, maybe I should be getting this treatment or something. Because if you're not proactive with the VA, I, I think you, you just get to run around. Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you're right there. But I know this veteran that he was real heavy. Uh-huh. But he told me every night he took his black trash bags and took his oxygen. He was on oxygen and put in there and pumped them up and then tied them off or taped them off, however he done it, and uh, one on each leg. And he said, you wouldn't believe the difference it made and how he felt the next day. Wow. And uh, that's, uh, that's kind of the same deal as them chambers, oxygen buried chambers, they saturate your body with oxygen because you know. I think you not only take it into the mouth and nose, you right, can absorb right. it through your skin. 
And, and, uh, and when you're course. in these chambers, they crank up the pressure that you're under, and it takes yeah. some period of time to get out of them or you get the bends. But he yeah. was uh, he was using uh, trash bags. <laughs> and he was just doing a homemade remedy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And because uh, I never did give it a try, but he would uh, tell me what he was doing because I'm on oxygen pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he said that really worked for him. But like I said, he was extremely heavy, um, three or four hundred pounds. Uh, he. He got some relief from it. So, I, you know, what can you say? If it works, do it. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I say. If it, if it works for him, you should keep doing it. But if if that little bit worked, then he should be in one of these treatment uh, tubes and get to treatment for like two months or three months, whatever they think is going to be effective. You you can go online and, and look at this hyperbaric oxygen treatment and uh-huh. see what they do, see how it works. There's kids that have been in horrible accidents, can't walk, can't talk, can't do any of that, and after 100 treatments are up walking around and functioning. Well, oxygen is a uh, good healing agent. Uh, you got, you know, damage somewhere, it the more oxygen you can get to it, the more apt you are to get it taken care of, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a medicine, actually. And, so, and there's there's no side effects that are bad. Well, you can OD on oxygen. Uh, well, I suppose. You, you, yeah, you can get oxygen poison. I've read about but. Uh, for normal person, shouldn't be any rest to them. Well, going going back to what I was talking about originally about suicides. So if all this stuff isn't working, mm-hmm. or is working to just a limited amount, what really works? What seems to work with with our groups is you get to talk about your issue. You got somebody you can trust that isn't going to blab your stuff all over the place. And and you actually have to go to a meeting or the meeting will come to you. And you share what's on your mind. And you just keep doing it over and over. And you got... I, I've gotten several calls from different fellows that were had the gun in their hand. And we talked and talked and talked, and well, they mostly talked. And they're still here. Talking doesn't hurt anybody. But you got to have somebody to talk to. And if the VA or whatever hospital you go to puts you on a waiting list or turns you away, you know, you got guys going out in the parking lot and killing themselves. Yeah. They, that, that, that's, a, that's the biggest thing that our groups do. We provide a place where uh, people can come, you know, veterans can come, or they bring a family member and talk about your PTSD issues, whatever is on your mind. It may not even have anything to do with the war, but the way you were conditioned to think during a wartime experience affects your daily life. And somehow you got to be able to separate that and remember where you are, and each day gets better. Might be a little tiny bit at a time, but it's always one step at a time. Because I I see all these things about doing 22 push-ups. Well, I don't know. I never tried that lately. (laughs) So I might have to do it in spurts, but the idea is to bring awareness to uh, PTSD and suicide problems, but then what do you do after you're done doing your push-ups? I mean, yeah. you got 
make make yourself available. Okay, so if you if you're someone that's thinking about suicide, there's plenty of helpline numbers, there's text lines, there's um chat lines, chat rooms. We've got an 800 number of our own. There's the 800-273-8255. It's the Suicide Prevention Hotline. You can call those folks up. They've got a text. You text go to 741-741. So if you text and you don't want anybody to know you were calling the Suicide Hotline, you do your text. There's uh, what? At, 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 at any rate, that's that's what's going on with us with suicide and what we do. We've got a place. I I, I think one of our guys, his name's Ben. He's up in uh, Michigan. He's got uh, a farmhouse, and he used to take in homeless vets. But now he's, he just uses it for his, his point man meetings. And fellas come there once a week and they bring something to share and whatnot. And it's in all, it's, you know what? This is, this is how, like, the VFW and those kind of outfits got started. Guys came home, didn't fit in, didn't know how to fit in, didn't know what was wrong with them. They started getting together and sure not self-medicated and whatnot, but you got, when I first came home, I went to a VFW and the bar was packed and everybody's, you know, yak, yak, yak about um, the war they were in. And I didn't understand what, what they were doing. You know, they needed that time to share and talk about what was on their mind and, and so on. But they're pounding down the beer too. <laughs> so, so they ne- they never got past uh, trying to trying to get get well. You just knew you went and had a bunch of beer, and yeah, it was a tough war, and so on. And and you weren't in a real war. That's the other thing I heard. So I left there. <laughs> yeah, I've heard them stories. And, 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 and I didn't, and I didn't go back. But and and believe it or not, that fellow that I talked about that's a quad right now. He went to a a meeting out in the county that he lives in, and they told him the same stuff. Oh. And 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 he wasn't a drinker, and he he just didn't fit in, so he didn't go back either. I don't blame him. Yeah. Uh it uh you know that veterans doing that to to each other too. That that's a sad part of it. It's veterans doing that to other veterans. Shining them. And you know what guys are guys our age do the same thing. There's a uh, VVA here that uh, they don't want any new members. And, and, and the thing that they break about is, you know, never again will one vet forget about another one. But don't come to our meetings. Yeah. That's sad. That's sad real bad. So it's, it's it's like guys our age grew up to become what they were all complaining about years and years ago. That makes it even worse because they all know better. Well, you would think. But How, uh, how's, how's things like that near you? Uh, <laughs> the BFW was that way. Now... I did go to the American Legion and join them. They seem like a pretty good bunch. Um, 
But the BFW was really cold shoulder. But see, I wasn't in an overseas like Vietnam or not. I wasn't there. Oh, oh I see. But uh, I still went out there a time or two. They said, well, you can join, but you can't participate in nothing. And when, when I first came home, I still had uh, metal coming out of my arm, okay? <laughs> and so my two cousins and, and, and an uncle, they were all World War II vets. They dragged me off to the VFW. And these other clowns told me that, yeah, wasn't in a real war. And, you know, I probably could have easily scratched myself and bled all over them, but... <laughs> I'm like, give me a break. And, and so that's how that went. And I, and I never went back. And now, most of the World War II guys, well, there's, there's still a handful, have all died off. And they didn't fill in any of the spaces with new guys... That would include Korean War veterans. They just did it. They were all like a clique. And now they don't have anybody. And now they're looking for people. And I think it's going to be hard for them to find them. I know it is. Because uh, they've skipped a couple generations of people that could be in there. Well, you know, participating uh, and doing what needs to be done. Your Korean War veterans and your Vietnam veterans, some of them, like you say, uh, still don't recognize Vietnam and sure don't recognize Korea. So, it can't. <coughs> now we got the Gulf War veterans coming along and. I'm sure they're facing some of the same uh, same penalties as the others. Well, if you go back to suicides, if you keep doing the same treatment and it don't work, things aren't going to change. Well, if you don't change the veterans' organizations, they're just going to die out because <coughs> nobody's going to go to them. On the other hand, that's why you have the current war veterans have their own Iraq War Veterans Association or whatever it's called and and so on. So any anyway. What else is going on? We've teamed up with a outfit called the Village of Emmaus and this is a place that was started by uh, a man and a lady back in the 60s to take in homeless veterans, and they're in Virginia. And they're, they've got a, a real old home that they're uh, restoring and so forth. Well, the daughter is the only one that's left from the family, so one of our fellows is helping out, and like I said, they're trying to uh, restore this place. They'll be able to take in vets, and it, it should be pretty good. The house itself is the site of a Civil War encampment that lasted probably half the war. And what what they're planning on doing is having their own encampment there in the end of 2017, if they can get the land cleared off. But then there's an issue with preservation and some stuff, and you have to dig around and sift the dirt and all those things to find uh, artifacts. And now, you, your ahead. organization helps. Suppose a veteran called out and said, look, I'm homeless and I don't have nowhere to turn to. Uh is your organization in a position to give them a little bit of help? It, it it all depends on the group itself. 
each group is supposed to maintain a, a list of everything that's available in their own area of operation. You know, like if there's a shelter over here, or home there, or somebody that's willing to take you in and oh, okay. pick good. you up and take you there. Uh huh. That's good. I mean, uh, but uh, other ones are just available to talk to. And they'll come and meet you, but if see we've got we've got a couple places that are actually homeless shelters. There's a place called oh what are they called? We've got a guy in Louisiana that's it's got a place called City of Refuge. And after Hurricane Katrina most of his stuff blew away. They put up little like like tiny houses. Uh-huh. And they 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 take in any homeless folks that are passing through. They don't really ask you who you are or what. They they treat you all good. Yeah. And feed you and help you find a job and stuff and then get you out not back on the street but into your own place and so on. We've got a couple of our groups work with dogs and they're certified service dog providers. Uh-huh. Oh, that that's another thing that is is on my mind. Service dogs. You can go online and pick up one of these little vests that's a service dog on them for fifteen bucks. Uh-huh. Yeah. And those those aren't service dogs. And then you have some individual try and take that dog into a restaurant somewhere. And you can understand why the owner maybe don't want you in there with your animal because they're not trained. And it's just not right because what will happen is you get too many of these people running around. It's going to be hard for people with a service dog to actually do what they have to do. Some people need that dog. You have, yes, companion, you have companion dogs is a different thing. And I don't know what the rules are for those, but service dogs are trained to respond to certain things that you may or may not do. Like if you started coughing or hacking or whatever, the dog is there. And they're, they're trained to do a lot of things. And, and like I said, we've got two guys that do that. So we got guys that just pretty much only go into prison. We've got guys that are working with uh, the vets court now. And they, and they're all over the country, so it's kind of we're not a hodgepodge, but each each little group has found like a niche that for their area and it and it's how they serve. I don't know yeah. if that answers what you were looking for, but and, and and some of our groups have cash on hand, and they'll help somebody out, get them in a motel for a day or two, mm-hmm. so they can get cleaned up and do what they have to do. Now, so we, a service dog would be classified different or in a different category than a companion dog. Companion dog. I would uh, visualize as being one mainly at home, used around the house there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like your own dog. dog. Yeah, right. And, uh, uh, yeah, he's a companion dog, as long as he got a treat in my hand. <laughs> if you were having spasms or something and flopping around on the floor, your service dog is trained to sit on your chest until you get calmed down. Companion dog's not going to do that. He might lick your face or something. Yeah, there you go. So, But see, people uh, can get them all confused and think they're all service dogs. And and they're not. And and the owners aren't going to tell you. Well, some do, but... I, yeah. I, know this, uh, I know a woman's got one of these little teacup dogs, and she's carrying this thing around all the time. 
dog never gets down, and she claims she's training it to be a service dog. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. Well, it's a dog you like, like, and but uh, yeah, I don't yeah, want to come... get into that with her. <laughs> yeah, companion dog and service dog is a, a specially trained animal that will. Um, you can take to stores and restaurants and, and places, and they're well-mannered. And, and uh, uh, there's a big difference between a service dog and a companion dog. Companion dog, someone you have at home there. Yep, that, that's right. Okay, we've got, what else do I got here? I just got this yesterday. It says VA reverses course, releases health care quality data. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that one. Well, it's a list of all 146 VA hospitals. What their star rating was at the end of 2015 and then what it was on 6-30-2016. And they have one star is the worst, five stars is their premier rating. So let's see, I see, which VA is yours? Mine's uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. Okay, let's see if I can find it. That's mine my medical is, one. Mine is uh, Buffalo, New York, and it's three and three. Now, Canandaigua is four a year ago, and it's still four. It's where they have the suicide prevention hotline. You would think they would have this in alphabetical order, too, and yeah. Yeah. What about Fayetteville, Arkansas? I'm at Montgomery. Uh, I don't see him listed. <laughs> oh, here we are. Here we are. Muskogee, Oklahoma, Jack C. Montgomery, VA. They're three and three. So they're they're rated the same as the one in Buffalo. What about Fayetteville? What what is it, that one again? Lexington. Fayetteville. Okay, oh. Fayetteville. He lives beside the call. All right, Fayetteville, North Carolina, two and two. So they didn't get any better in 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 that amount of time. What about I, Arkansas? I, Say John's in Lexington. Yeah, what what town is the one in Arkansas? Fayetteville. No, the only Fayetteville they got is the one I just said. I got Fargo, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Fargo was five, and now they're four. So they got worse. But a week or two ago, I read some report that the VA was getting better. What was yours, John? Lexington. Oh, Lexington, okay. I'm looking real quick here. Lexington, Kentucky, four and four. So they're rated pretty high compared to a lot of them. They're pretty small. That's what it is. It's the size. And you know the thing about this is it's the VA's own ratings. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd like to see what the patient's ratings are. (laughs) But SBP self-pedaling to buy it. 
uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, even though it wasn't listed in the story, it says at the same time the VA Medical Center in Fayetteville, Arkansas jumped from three stars to five, and the oh. VA in Orlando went from two to four. But remember, the VA's doing their own rating. Yeah, yeah, that's their own rating, all right. I mean, how do they do that? Yeah. They <laughs> get a bonus. Of yeah, I, I thought you guys get a charge out of that. <laughs> they get a bonus. We can ask Mike Faster how they're how they're doing, Gerald. Well, yeah. We, no, we can't. Can we? They killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mike. Wow. It's terrible what they done to him. Not damn Fayetteville. Year, years ago, when uh, I, I first met you guys and did an interview, one of the ladies, let me think what her name was, Bertha, Berta, yeah, Berta. She, was, she was talking about a disease called Whitmore's disease, and it's caused by a, a parasite that you picked up in Vietnam. And then got lodged in between your um, uh, bile, in, right in your bile duct. And then it could lay dormant for years. And then when it got active again, it, that area would sprout cancer and stuff. And then you would die before you even knew what was wrong with you. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's called Whitmore's disease. W-H-I-T-M-O-R-E-S. The name sounds familiar. Well, it's, it's got a melioidosis or something is, is the medical name. And then the uh, parasite's got a real, real, real long name. That I don't know what it is. There's... One of our groups in Albuquerque, New Mexico, lost two of their people to some kind of a infection they got. They believe at the hospital. So we looked that up. On we we have a Monday night meeting on on Skype that you can join into, and we we're talking about that. And we looked it up. And there's as many as 29,000 people across the country die from this thing. Oh, my. Within a few days, once once they catch it, if, they, if they're not healed right away. And it's immune to most antibiotics. And, of course, I did, didn't plan on talking about that, so I didn't write down what it was. But I'm, I'm sure I could look it up. There's... Uh, Oh, we got a bunch of fellows are online. Recent, Ernie. It is called Clostridium difficile. And there's been some prevention programs. They've cut the rate by 20%, but the rate went up 400% before they get a handle on it. And, they, and, it, and that's what it's called. And they call it CDI. And what's the cause of it? Well, it's is some it kind of a, not, not, not a parasite. This is some kind of a bacteria, I believe. Yeah. But if you look for CDI, if you, if you were to Google that, you could find out about that. CDI. I better look that one up. Yeah. I'm afraid to look things up. <laughs> I do look like I might have I mean, there's you, you get pains in your stomach, and then lots of diarrhea and stuff like that, and uh-huh. next thing you know, you're not breathing. That's, it, uh, it, could, it could take 30 days to 45 days from what I've read to. 
Now, a lot of them guys, don't they just tell them they got ear, ear to, to uh, bowel syndrome? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't know much about that, but what, what I read about this other stuff, it's uh, is very bad. And yeah. I would think it could be easily confused with this irritable bowel syndrome. That's what the first thing jumped in my mind. I've heard of so many, maybe, I don't know. But, but that's what it's called, no CDI. Because hmm. that other thing that Berger was talking about before Agent Orange was... Uh, call it a big deal because I've got issues from it. At any rate, before it was so highly tested for and people got concerned about, uh, the thing Burgess was talking about, guys were dying from that, coming home. And they would test you, but usually the tests were either conclusive, a false positive, or a real positive. (laughs) So you, you really didn't know what what was going on, but guys were dying from that, you know, a lot. And then Agent Orange came along, and that was it. This other thing went on the back burner. Yeah, so, but I'm wondering if you can pass it on from one generation to another. I I don't know that you could if it's a. If it's a parasite that's in your uh, bile duct, you know, be like a bug that's in you, and I don't know that you'd be able to pass that along. But who knows? I I don't know. Well, that's some bad stuff you're talking about. Have you heard anything more on this new? Secretary of the VA. No, I have not. Did they even pick one yet? I don't believe they have. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so either. I mean, it, it's really a seriously huge job. Oh, my land. I don't believe one person can handle it, really. I think it's going to have to be I break the country up into regions, which they've already done that, I believe. Yeah, they already done that. It's those, uh, so those. if they'd put a secretary of the VA over each region, each separate region, uh, they might be able to close the door on a lot of these claims and catch up on their backlogs uh, because... It'd be a lot easier to keep track of one region than it would be the whole United States. You know, you know, you got somebody that's in charge of each one of the regions they have now. I think there's 15 regions, and it, it would seem to me that you could just hold these people accountable to do the job. Somebody's well, got to outline yeah. what the job really is. Well, that's true. Uh, and first say of this all, is, we got to have what, the This is what we expect. Yeah. Yeah, they're called visions, Jerry. B-A-S-N. Yeah, B-A-S-N is that. The vision. <laughs> the blind leads the blind. Good vision. Oh, there's 21 well, regions. 21 regions? I didn't yeah. think that yeah. was near that. Huh. Well, then he needs 21. Well, maybe. But if, you already, but if you already have somebody that's in charge of each region, it would seem to me you should be able to get it squared away. Well, I, take, I, I, I take it back. I just. I just picked up a map here that says there's 23. That's how many there are. Then I don't know why 
why they don't have the authority to do so. believe well, they probably do. But, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I would think what the thing to do would be to outline what the jobs are. This is what we expect. You got so many days to get it in place. Yeah. Because we've been talking about this stuff since the 30s. Oh. <laughs> I know. Ever since I've been dealing with it. Mm hmm. And they keep promising this, that, and something else. And then they want to do a study. Every time I hear study, I want to just go <laughs> throw up somewhere. It, uh, it's more wasted time. And waste the taxpayer money. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, especially when the people doing the study are working for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but a lot of times when you hear the word study, the study's already been done. Years ago, a couple years ago, and they make all these recommendations, and they don't do them. Mm-hmm. They just put it on the shelf and keep on doing whatever they're doing. And so they think they've waited in charge years, each, and they can start over. Yeah. Uh, so every time you get a new director of the VA... They didn't come from the VA, so they don't know what's going on. And so whatever's being fed to them is what's being fed to them. And then they get blamed when it doesn't work because nothing changed except the person in the, in the director's seat. Yeah. I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think's the best idea? Well, I know one thing they're going to have to do is renegotiate the union contract. First of all, they got to set down a set of rules to where uh, people in positions of, of power have, have some accountability, as at this point in time it appears they don't have, or someone above them is covering up for their shoddy workmanship. Uh, first of all, I think everyone that touches a claim should have to sign. Everyone should have to sign. Who? And everybody touch that claim should be right on it all the way up to the top, or till it gets settled. And then, if it keeps going back and going back and going back, you see who's not doing their job. It'll show up. Their name's on it. Do you remember before computers, they had a big folder with all your paperwork in, and you carried it around from clinic to clinic if you were at the VA hospital? Do you yeah. remember that? Yep. It, it would be the same thing. Somebody's got to sign off on it. I receive this and so and so day, and, and, and go from there. I think there's got to be a bigger distinction between the claim process and the VA hospital system. Oh well, there is. Yeah, they're two separate entities. Actually. Well, I, I know there's they're two separate ones, but you really can't tell if you're going for a claim here and they send you for tests. Of course, they send you to the the hospital. Yeah. And People get confused that it's the same thing. You know, it's part of your treatment when it's not. They're only sending you there to find out if you got really got what you say you got. So I, I don't know. I, th I think there's things aren't really well defined. But there, there would be uh, one of my thoughts. It's going to take a major overhaul to do something with the VA, and that's going to be painful, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think so, too. They're trying to just uh, pass whatever claims they had, and then they were supposed to go back and look at, look at them. You know, because so many people were waiting for so long, and then they said, well, well, we'll just pass them now, and then down the road we'll review them. 
I've never heard any any reviews being done. Nah. And I don't know that the backlog is really any lower than it was. I think it's the same. I just change it from one section to another, or it goes from one place to another. And I think we got a whole bunch of claims out here on the highways, and these big trucks are just floating around, so they don't have to count them. Well, it very well could be. You know, one thing that when when you have a an appointment, you used here when when they saw you at the hospital, you went out back out into the clinic, and a nurse or clerk or whoever it was would make your next appointment. Well, now they send you a letter that it's time for you to call and make an appointment. Well, it's all it's all good, except that now you're not on the list for an appointment. So it's That's reduced right. the backlog. Yeah, I just got one the other day. <laughs> and and, and, and they, they got to put a you got to you got to put a stamp in an envelope. Somebody's got to fill it out and do all that stuff when there's already somebody sitting there when you leave because those people are still sitting in those chairs, but now they're not doing as much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so, they anyway. say they'll send you a letter. What they do is send you a form to fill out. So, oh, see here, see here, you just get a letter that says it's time for you to call for your appointment. Yep. And, and it always comes on Saturday, so you have mm-hmm. to wait till Monday or Tuesday. And Monday they're always jammed up, so it's Tuesday when you get through to them. Because you can't use secure messaging for making appointments yet here. See, that's that's another thing. All the computer stuff is a little different in each visit. But speaking of that, I see it's two minutes to eight o'clock here. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're getting short on time, time. We are getting short on time. Well, so, is is it okay if I say our phone numbers and stuff here? Oh yes, by all means. Uh, okay, uh, we've got a website. Give us your contact. Okay, our website is www.pmim.org. and there's a list there of every group that we've got in the country. Their phone number their email, you can contact them either way. We've got about 140-some groups. We've got an 800 number. It's 1-800, of course, 877-8387. And a fellow that's going to answer the phone, his name is Marcus. He's an Iraq veteran. And He's just a good guy, and if if you're a young vet, he's been through just about everything that you can go through, and so he knows what you're talking about. And if you're an old vet, it's like talking to your kids when they're grown up. But he's he's a good man, and those are the two best ways to get to us. And they can always get to you through had it. Uh, well, that's that's true. We'll we'll always be glad to relay an information. Or, or your member had it, are you, Dana? I think so. But if I'm not, I could be. Well, Let me go on the website after we're done, and I'll, I'll see. There must be a member yeah. list there. Yeah. And. The other thing I want to say is Merry Christmas to everyone. Okay, Merry Christmas to you. And we, you know, we really appreciate you coming on. This just been three days before Christmas, and, and unfortunately, we know there's some homeless veterans out there, and it would be awful nice if we could 
get them in out of bad weather and maybe give them a hand up. Uh, uh, doggone it. Some of them, that's all they need is a hand up. And, you know, you see one, try to help them out. Uh, uh, lead them down to the nearest uh Salvation Army's pretty good. Sometimes the Red Cross uh, and some church organizations uh, will step in and help. So try to give them a hand up and help them out. And Dana, we appreciate you coming on. And John, well, we great appreciate talking to you, guys. you. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And... Uh, of course, this is all off the cuff, you know. We just don't practice nothing, but I think it gives the show a little bit more sincerity and honesty. But uh, with that, there will be Gerald Cook with the Had It podcast. We'll be signing off for now. Okay, good night, fellas. Good night. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. <coughs> You've been listening to the Hadit.com blog talk radio show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or blog talk radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com blog talk radio and the Ask Bachelor Show. <laughs>